some somewhere. Get something. That's how you can recognize desire. Sense that it's a kind of pushy vibration, and that I've got to, I've got to get my practice together. I've got to get rid of my defilements. I've got to work out my relationships. I've got to solve the problems. <coughs> so this, uh, when the cotton desire, then when our life is just like a, an obsessive, compulsive experience, because you always. There's always more, you know, desire. It's, you gratify <coughs> one, and then there's, and it starts again. Because you don't mean not seen, seen through desire. You merely follow it. <coughs> Even with meditation, as long as you, as long as you don't know and understand desire, then, then even the spiritual life is an obsessive experience. got to practice more, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't think like that. <coughs> I'm just noting that, that the, you know, like the three kinds of desire, dhamma-dhamma, pavadhamma, vipavadhamma, uh, you know, is understand them, to know them. Not to get rid of them, but once you once you know them for what they are, then you're no longer attached to them. It's when you don't know, and then you you just the habit is to always attach, to believe, to be intimidated, to be caught up. So the world is, is based on desire, and it? it's all about things that should be done and things that shouldn't be done and becoming something and getting rid of something trying to make things better now to To, to just observe that in yourself, that sense of uh, maybe obsessiveness that you have, or this feeling that this feeling you've got to do something, you've got to get something, get rid of something, just to, to know it as a mental object. And what happens when you follow it? When I follow that, then I always end up with some kind of dukkha. You know, I just never, never seem to, you know, even when it just goes on from one thing to another, it spoils life. One isn't even aware of the daffodils because you've not got to to the tenth of the practice. (laughs) 
You don't even notice that the, the salt taker works. <laughs> you got to get your backers down so you can get on to the next thing. So the, like finding little joys of life. You know, like Ajahn Amr and I were traveling together uh, several years ago. You know, we have, went to India and we went to Indonesia. And, so I said, you know, one of the joys of traveling is, is when you're waiting for your baggage to appear. And, and then it does. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of feeling. <laughs> to notice the little joys of life. <laughs> But if we're, you know, I've got to get the baggage and then I've got to go through the customs and then I've got to I hope they're out there, somebody's out there to meet me and, uh, and if they are, what do I do? <laughs> you're, you're winding up in your head and, and uh, so you can't notice just the simple pleasures uh, that you do when, when you're not attached to desire, and you're not caught up in that desire. When I meditate, I just watch this, this any sense of that I've got to do something. Because meditation can be just another habit, isn't it? You, you develop meditation habits. <clears throat> so, and then it, it just tends to, you tend to go into maybe tranquility is not the best thing to get out of it. Of just doing developing some kind of meditation habit, <clears throat> and if uh, like with the kusana, if you if you uh, you know the awakening, contemplating, observing the way it is, and uh, and like desire. is very strong uh, kind of for people like us wanting to wanting to become doing something now to get something in the future some reward some good result some praise some accomplishment in the future Bhavadana Vipodana desire to to get rid of, to stop your thinking, to get rid of bad thoughts. So that which is aware of desire isn't desire. This is <laughs> desire can't see itself. 
desire, I can't see what desire is. <coughs> so, you, <coughs> so, so you, you, uh, your your uh, object then is is to to see desire through wisdom. It's just awareness, uh, attention, and, and it's kind of spelled out quite clearly in the the three kinds of desire, second noble truths, and the letting go of desire is the insight. In the society we live in, is very kind of uh, obsessive society. You know, I've always. <coughs> We're under continuous pressure in so many ways to become or change or get rid of things or get things we don't have yet or complain because things we have aren't uh, as good as they should be. <laughs> so the uh, social conditioning, cultural conditioning is based on desire on the avicca which takes us to desire and then the vicha is knowing desire as desire this is desire I know you Than to trust in that pure state of, of knowing rather than thinking that you've got to do something about desire. The, the thing is, once I see that, then I've got to get, then, I, then, the, then we oftentimes peripherate. Them. I've got a lot of karma dangha, pawa dangha, and uh, some kind of uh, value judgment is made about oneself. But the, the, that doesn't help to do that. Just to, but to just know desire is desire is enough. And then you see, desire is not self. Nothing like suffering, dukkha is. There's dukkha, but it's not. It's not personal anymore. It's, dukkha is a is a natural state of conditions changing. And so that, that it's, when we suffer, then we make dukkha personal. It's my suffering. Me, it's mine. Me and mine. So this realm of uh, change, of sankhara, is 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 dukkha, and that's this this natural state. Then, then, uh, then, if we take it personally, then it becomes. Then we, we're creating. That's the dukkha we can we can refrain from uh, creating. And once you see and know desire, then you, you're not going to create dukkha around uh, the way things are. It still can be dukkha, but it's not. It's it's. Uh, it's, it's dhamma rather than, than 
personal a personal issue, a personal problem. magazine a picture of his uh, women in Kosovo where this uh, province of Yugoslavia you know where they uh, with a 90% Albanian population 10% Serb and the Serbs have gone in and, and kind of slaughtered a lot of these Albanians and uh, it shows these pictures it shows a picture of all these corpses and then of these women, Albanian women and little boys saying they're grief stricken and then these, these women looking, you know, really grief stricken and I said, how many times have I seen that picture for the past few years? <laughs> you know, how much you know, in the news Newspapers or Time magazine, even how many, how many, you know, grief-stricken women, pictures of grief-stricken women have, have I seen? And then the those Buddha said, you know, how much blood has been spilled, and how we've tortured and mutilated and and abused each other over so many million lifetimes. You know, we've all we've all kind of involved in it, in one way or another. You know, I mean, we've, we've murdered each other, maybe um, abused, and, uh, lied, and cheated, and, and then I mean, each other's mothers and fathers and grandparents and husbands, wives, children. You know, the mind—it's a way of just. Uh, Putting into perspective that, that, that this moment now is a, you know, to see it in such a personal way is one thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I wouldn't do anything like that. But then when you think of the state of humanity and, it, and after the Second World War, I remember we all hoped that United Nations and organizations like that and stop wars and we'd all learn to cooperate and live in harmony and solve the uh, economic problems uh, with compassion and fairness and look at it <laughs> you know ongoing disaster of wars and genocide and brutality that and human beings are quite willing to uh, to be involved with. So it's this this uh, this uh, blood, uh, the sense of of just murdering and bloodletting, and, um, revenge. And so where does it ever stop? You know, to, to 
to send in the UN forces or get the Americans to come in and uh, stop them and that's, that's one way and then you know it, does, it just seems to you know you stop it here and it pops up over there so then I thought well, you have to stop it in here stop doing it in your mind seeking revenge or blaming or um, you know, creating suffering around the uh, conditions of the people or the situations that you're directly involved with there used to be this idea that we could just once we had a kind of discussion group we could solve all the problems through talking it out but just talk endlessly and, 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 and that was somehow we'll all agree in the end I'm not seeing that work actually <laughs> all you do is get a great aversion to having meetings <laughs> endlessly talking so so the uh, So in, in, in investigating the Four Noble Truths, then it, you know, whether you stop or not, it's up to you, but, but I, you know, I, I realize that there's something I can do. I can stop doing that, creating, making issues, getting caught up in desires. So then, in, uh, ways I've described stopping the mind and then listening to the sound of silence will stop the mind is to uh, contemplate the feelings in the body will stop the thinking process for a while and you just come to the breath or the or the body or the silence and the, that kind of proliferating uh, conceptual proliferating habits we have will will stop right there and you notice it stopped you, you, you make a you're, you're really paying attention to the stopping of, of thinking of that concept of that proliferating habitual wandering state and then that then you you, you begin to 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 really consciously acknowledge the the mind where there's no thought, empty mind like this. Then you hear the ringing silence. Just sustain it for a little while like that, and until you till it becomes quite easy to do. And then you find yourself somebody says something or there's an issue or problem and, and uh, you get wound up what do you think about that oh that's really that's really a big thing you know if we we've got to stop it or we've got to do stop then <laughs> <laughs> you can feel it kind of all this this uh, being wound up 
And then if you're patient, you can and you and you stay in the silence of your mind, and you, you can actually watch it all kind of settling down once you get wound up. You know, you can't you, you can stop the thinking, but the actual energy is is, is very kind of. Busy, very ten- making tensions. So that just takes patience for that to calm down. The way of training, training yourself, so that you're, you're you're really developing your mind in a way that is very skillful, and you're not just uh, suppressing or ignoring things or you're not stopping conceptual, conceptual proliferating out of aversion and uh, just wanting to get rid of it, but you're you're doing it with wisdom, isn't it? You're you're, you're recognizing that you don't need to do that. They're just going round and around thinking about things, just unnecessary, and that if we learn to stop doing that, then we and we begin to uh, recognize that they talk about emptiness and not self. talking yesterday about righteous indignation about having a problem with with giving that, that if I'm right I feel somebody's wrong that they should admit that they're wrong and ask forgiveness they should you know and, and I've got to kind of make sure that they know that they're wrong let them know and uh, and then they should do the right thing which is you know apologize I get wound up with that. <laughs> and feeling right is a very, you know, it's a very egotistical, it just inflates you incredibly. This it does me. Me being right, you know. I'm standing up for what's right. I've got my principles and and I'm going to see that right is done. Anyway. <laughs> I'm about two inches fatter now, aren't I? <laughs> Just my thinking that. <clears throat> and to let go of that, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, we've got it. Uh, you know, we, we can't let go of it because we're, we're we've got to make sure that the right thing is done, and, and so the whole thing becomes, it's the, you know, and then then when you do say something to the person, it's usually done in in this very arrogant way, and uh, and they and they, they just uh, feel you're just a, an arrogant so and so. And that big oaf just comes at me and says he's right. 
it puts me down. <laughs> so it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, there's not wisdom in, in that. It's, it's, uh, it's not even to say that, you know, that, that what you're right about is, is, is wrong, or that you're wrong, but detachment, isn't that, that and wanting to get even, wanting to to make a person, you know, to punish them or to make sure that they don't get away with with their with their delusions. So then, in the emptiness of the mind, you can get some perspective on that and trust more in compassion in pointing to the present moment to the real problem in the presence of, of this being heedless you know this, but if I'm caught up in heedlessness through my own attachment to my sense of being right you know I'm not helping you am I I'm just being heedless and that and, and that if you're, if you're not an arhat the power of my righteousness can really wind you up you could really get get on your high horse <laughs> so, <clears throat> you see, like Saddam Hussein is a good example. Of, is you know he he really loves to wind up the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Brinkmanship, they call it, isn't it? I mean, And the United States comes across as very righteous, you know. This man is a tyrant, and we can't let him get away with this. He's a danger to the world. And the more, you know, they they let the the kind of stronger Saddam Hussein seems, doesn't he? He seems, you know, it's really, you know, considering he's a what is it a you know a petty dictator. That's been under sanctions, where most of the people are malnourished by now, and uh, yet he still can. He can, the more the more names you call him, and the more threats you make to him, they kind of seem to get more energy out of that. Probably so, yeah, they just ignored him. He just be really upset. Like in the in the silence, and that just being able to to trust it, rest in it, 
and to develop that, then then uh, then we have a way of dealing with it. It's not to ignore the problems and issues of a situation, but but uh, it's to to, to to use wisdom rather than just uh, reactions, which are oftentimes based on your, one's own ego being threatened or just uh, petty petty habits and and uh, distorted vision that they might have about a situation. So it's, uh, it's not like being a mindful doesn't mean that you're you, you don't do anything to better the society or or solve the problems and right wrongs. But it means that you have the uh, ability to 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 get beyond just emotional reactivity and cultural biases and personal uh, habitual problems. This is very much uh, needed at this time in this kind of wisdom. For that, there's no reflection. You decide to have shoes just to, because you you don't you, you don't like the ones you have, or there's that, that's in, in your that, in your uh, mindfulness or, that right, in there's awareness of of the uh, factors involved. Like if you really if you need a pair. Yeah. You, you analyze yeah. to see whether you really need a nun and then if you really need and then you continue that pursuit to get that. And then that's not based on desire anymore. That's, that's yeah. just based on need. But they start with the desires. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... But that's where you need the, to know what desire is and attachment. And even if the problem Which one is, is attachment? The problem is is the desire of the attachment to the desire. You always, when you have a desire, you attachment in order to accomplish that. Because once you know that. But but attachment out of ignorance. That's all. <laughs> because if we don't have desire, we can't stay here anymore, sustain life. Because we don't want to carry on anymore. So we have to care about the body and the what is still have to be done. <laughs> we have that desire, it, it, it came naturally because of your body needs it. Yeah. <laughs> I never say surpass, but yeah. I'm not even condemning it, it's to know it. It's to know yeah. it, but to, to know it, or you stop or you continue, it, it's, it's a matter of knowing first and then... Like desire to become enlightened is, uh, you know, out of ignorance, then it's based on an ego. I want to become enlightened. Ego. But then, but then as you investigate desire uh, and see the, the nature of desire and attachment, and, uh, and then there's, then there's vicha. 
So then, then the vicha is the thing that when we act on vicha, on understanding, rather than on ignorance. So we do things too. You know, in the holy life. But sometimes by try and error, you do it by just meditation. So then you. Well, then you meditation, then you're encouraged to run and die. Right, and then. But also, you can look at desire for enlightenment as aspiration. More of a, uh, it's a, it's a pure, it's not desire really in terms of a vicha, but it's uh, an aspiration like chandra, which you know that in that, in that which is not egotistical, it wants to know the truth. But then it can become desire when, when I think I want to get enlightened. So I want to be the first American Arahant. And, 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 no, and that's that's a vicha. What do you go there? It's quite like a lot of things. It's a problem, isn't it? No, it's just a problem. No, it's just a problem. No, it's just a problem. No, it's just a you're attached to being a bhikkhu. So you should disrobe in order to prove you're not attached. That's the same thing. Because I don't have to prove I'm not attached to anybody. You know, I know when there's attachment and there isn't. If I'm, if I'm attached to being a bhikkhu, then I, and I know that. Then just knowing that. Noisy cat. <laughs> No desire, desire. They think this mind still thinks you have to get rid of it. You shouldn't follow it. Uh, you know, I haven't said that. I said you're studying so you know what it is, so you don't. So it just doesn't. You don't get lost in it. Then some desire, big desire to help somebody who needs help, and you just do it in a compulsive way. Then it's going to. It's, it's something's going to you're going to be disappointed or or uh, if they don't thank you for it you're going to feel I've wasted my time or something like this but, but if you if you uh, see see the, the desire and then and you recognize this is a good thing to do and you do it and then whether they ever anybody ever knows or whoever it is important so you don't suffer Maybe we should find another world about it. You're getting rid of desires with the Wadana here. 
Et là, c'est surtout l'orthodoxe, so maybe it's not as well, people in monastical become very tight, because yeah. it's done, perhaps people have this understanding of desire, it's okay to, if you have a knee, like a pot of honey, enjoy it, don't make problem about it. If you don't have it, don't ask for it, but if you have it, uh, eat it. Don't say, I should, I should not, I should, I should not. And I said, eat it, he's there. <laughs> It's the same thing because people always like this thing they have is they don't know how to use it. And that is why everyone becomes like uh, right. they can enjoy one as well. You're always uh, making a problem and that's about same. about like the eating, which is which is you know it's not we're allowed to eat. <laughs> People starve themselves. They love it, especially women. Women love to starve themselves, and after they feel weak, but still starve. Men, I think, have a more easy relationship with the food. Why do women starve themselves? So they'll be thin or? They'll be seen, seen or they will be sent? Because feeling physical appearance is important and uh, also an idea. shouldn't be any obstruction to mindfulness. And you can make it into an obstruction if you want, but uh, if you don't want, you can not make it into an obstruction. <coughs> so it's always in trusting in this awakened state, you know, this kind of even in the midst of uh, pressures and difficult situations, uh, you can always remind yourself to wake up and uh, to to be able to be with what is happening, to be the one who's aware rather than the one who's just caught in reaction. You can you can feel yourself reacting to things but there's also an awareness of that. So meditation is going to stop you reacting, but you're, 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 you're transcending your reactions through being aware of them. Because that's what, if that's what you've learned on this retreat, then that is a, you know, a rare kind of knowledge. Most people don't know that. They're, they're always, <coughs> they don't know the difference. They're totally aligned with their reactions <coughs> to experience.
and then recognize the world is is ignorant. It doesn't. You know, the world cannot see itself. The conditioned realm uh, cannot uh, reflect on its own qualities. So it, it, you know, we can all we can do with it is is be aware of it, <coughs> and then act in a way act in ways that are skillful, trying to respond to worldly conditions of wisdom rather than with uh, aversion or greed. That's like the seal of morality, this guideline to, to use so you're more aware of how to re- respond to to uh, worldly demands, worldly conditions. And then the uh, transcendent awareness, remember, uh, pure presence is ever transcending. Dakteda gate gate paragate parasam gate bodhisattva the Prasavarmita mantra so it's the pure presence and this is like now is when there's pure presence pure awareness and that's transcending everything you can't get beyond it and you can only be that you can't you can't get beyond pure presence so Notice in that state of pure presence, you can reflect. And then recognize that the worldly life is based on on, on all kinds of conditions. So it, it's not going to be fair and just and proper and what it should be according to an ideal it can only be what it is because it's the law of karma the karma is like this where the ideal world that we can think of is is based on the best on how things should be according to our ability to create conditions think of ideal conditions create ideal conditions in our mind so in uh, in, in um, meditation and in contemplation of that of the impermanent nature of conditions then we no longer delude ourselves with our own ideals so we're not demanding life anything from life that it be ideal and and then complain about it when it isn't. But we can respond to life as it as it's happening, as it, we experience it, which is for most of the time not ideal. Not not the ideal situation. <coughs> And people can't remember and become Buddhists, and they go, then they they kind of 
idealized Buddhists. I think all Buddhists are Buddhists. That we're all, you know, beyond uh, any kind of pettiness or anger or selfishness. And then, then when they live with us, they see we're we're not always beyond that, and they think, you know, I'm disappointed with the Buddhists. They've disappointed me. I thought Buddhists would be, you know, fit my ideal. You know, what they really want are Buddhists. But um, that's because they're, you know, you 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 can idolize, (coughs) make a about how Buddhists should be. Remember, we're we're humans. We have our karma to live with, so we have we have to learn how to reflect on the way we are, rather than than uh, than endlessly compare ourselves to ideas about what good Buddhists are. In meditation, you're you're not you're not uh, condemning with mindfulness. Pure presence is not critical. So it's not not complaining about anything. It's not telling you what you should be or criticizing. It's just it's aware. This is the way it is. Aware of the condition that conditions change. So pure presence is is compassionate. It's uh, it's loving. It's not. It's not critical. It's not uh, blaming. So when you get into being critical and blaming either yourself or somebody else, you know you're you're back in the world again. That's the sign you you've been reborn into the world. <coughs> you know, I don't like this. And it shouldn't be like that. Why do I have to be like this? And it is. But then as soon as you awaken to that then you transcended the world pure presence is ever transcending so it's just a simple imminent act of paying attention to life After 30, 32 years as a monk, and the uh, just just observing emotional habits after thirty two years, and uh, certain emotional habits have resolved themselves, and in, in that uh, uh, you know through mindfulness and through skillful living, and and uh, that. But it's amazing how many uh, the emotional habits that linger and hang on, and and what you know how how uh, resentful or angry these 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 feelings can be over relatively trivial things. But what any great great problem? You know, real horrific things that happened to me. It, 